All right, welcome to episode 37. Uh, Matt joined by David. Todd is now with us today. Um, AD duties. He's got he's got to set up for some some regional tournament stuff. Um, got a lot to t- uh, to cover. We got a, we're bringing back the Mount Rushmore segment, sponsored by uh, Out of Focus Images by Chelsea. Uh, also, at the end of this, we have an interview that I did with JJ Trainer, uh, a, a Louisville Corner basketball player, former Barstown Tiger. Um, it's a good interview. It's gonna be fun. He covers everything. He talks about the the rise uh, from his junior year to where he's at now. So pretty pretty insightful. Uh, pretty good interview. So, I, do you want me to go ahead and just get right into LeBron James, or do you need to get anything off your chest? No, go for it. Yeah, I want to hear what your uh, where your opinion is and where things stand now. All right, so. We're a couple days removed from it. Uh, the Lakers won title 17 if with an asterisk, if you want to call it that, uh, a couple days ago. But, nah, it's a joke. So the the going argument right now is he's already – people already think he's the GOAT. A lot of people do. Now, I'm not one of them. Uh, but he's won his fourth title. So there's been a lot of different people who have said stuff such as this puts him ahead of Jordan. Um, you know, then there's people that, that argue we would rather talk about his losses versus his wins. And Nick Wright came out and said that losing in the finals actually is worse for your legacy than winning in the finals is good for it. Uh, you're better off just not making it just because and he's just basing that off of how people judge LeBron. He compared it to, uh, Jimmy Butler, which I think is stupid. He tore down Jimmy Butler to prove I, he, did, he did a really bad job at it, prove a point about how LeBron is judged. But he's judged – like, you don't judge every single player that way. You judge LeBron that way, and you judge Jordan that way because that's that's who you're arguing. So you have to get down to, like, the most insane levels to prove greatness on to where they're one and two. All right, so – I think Shaq came out and said it has an asterisk next to it. I disagree. Do I think it can be viewed differently? Probably just because it was a shortened season. He's won two titles in the shortened seasons. Um, so this being – and this is just unique, you know, and it's not – here's the thing is I don't think you can really – you can't blame him for any of this. You can't sit there and say, oh, he, he won it uh, – in the bubble, like he didn't create the bubble. He didn't create the coronavirus that put him there. So he just, he got put in the same situation that everybody else got put in and he Mm -hmm. helped lead the team to championship and they won. Um, So it's not his fault that uh, Giannis uh, screwed up and couldn't win. It's not his fault. The Celtics couldn't beat uh, the heat and provide a better series for them. I, as far as when we talk about matchup wise, there's a lot yeah. more star power and yeah. star power. So, um, and it's not his fault that the Clippers couldn't make it to the Western Conference Finals to play him. So we had a little drama there. Those aren't his faults. So 100% credit for winning. Um, but here's my thing he's still four and six. Mm-hmm. So that's my only thing. I don't. 
And once again, we talk about greatness. You you had to go into these things. You can't just bring up, oh, he scored these points. And, you know, people say, well, he's in year 17. Where was Jordan at year 17? Well, Jordan also went to college for a couple of years. And the if you if you want to get real technical about it, it took him set it took LeBron 17 years to win four. It took Jordan, I think it was what did Jordan play? 14, 12, 14, something like that, somewhere in there to win six. Yeah, the easy argument there is just Jordan didn't have to play 17 years because he wasn't chasing a legacy. Bron's still playing because he's chasing, whether he admits it or not, he's chasing his ego to be better than 100%. Michael. Same thing Kobe yeah. did. Right. So if Kobe, if Kobe ended up having seven rings by year 14 or whatever, he would have, re- he might have gone retired too. They were chasing egos. Yeah. And uh, Michael didn't have to do that. So the year 17 argument's dumb. Also, I, but I also think it's dumb because they say they they act like it's an achievement for him to be in year 17 and, and say Michael couldn't make it to year 17. But, you know, if you look at – I really don't know. I'd have to look it up. I want to say Jordan played 14 years total. But Jordan played a couple years in college that LeBron didn't play. So if you still add those, if you talk, if you talk post-high school career, you add those couple years in – is what it is. It's cl- it's yeah. a lot closer than people want to admit. I just think, um, like I said, I think there's absolutely nothing that LeBron does that Jordan couldn't do. That's and yeah. that's where I'm at with it. If to be better, you have to do things better. What does he like? Just what does he do that much better? Does he score better? No. Does he lead better? He leads differently. I think he's a different type of leader. He makes players better in the sense of uh, just pure basketball ability. Jordan made people better. He he toughened them up and put them in a position to where when big moments happened, they were able to make shots and, and, and make big plays. You know, Steve Kerr, John Paxson. So, uh, and we can get into that too. Did, yeah. What's your that opinion on that? That got me pretty fired up the other night when he um, – so he made that pass Danny Green, missed the three. The next day, everyone was ripping, ripping LeBron and saying, Jordan would have shot that. Jordan's clutch. No, bro. It no. was it was no. 13 Jordan seconds after that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. It was unreal. It's – at the end of the day, you're not going to change anybody's mind. Jordan stands or Jordan stands. Bron stands or Bron stands. 100%. You might get the – Kobe Bryant fan to change their mind on all of it because I'm a big Kobe guy and he'll always be my favorite player. But the argument, it's it's dumb to me at this point because you're not going to change anybody's mind. It doesn't matter if Bron wins next three championships and gets more than Michael Jordan. It's always going to be a focus on his losses. Um, I was reading an ESPN article the other day and they're like, the biggest difference is that no matter what in the finals, Jordan always brought it. And if you take out win losses, Jordan always brought it. LeBron had that series against the Mavs where he averaged what, like 12, 13 points a game. Something it was pretty low. Maybe was, 18. I, no, I don't yeah. know if that was that wasn't his average. I think his average was still like close to 20. But I think in the closeout game, he only he didn't score a lot. Yeah, there was one game he had eight points, and uh you can't have that. That one series is the easiest 
point back to him. Yeah. As far as this season, have any asterisks? What exactly what you said is that's dumb. Mm-hmm. Every team went through the same thing. Now you can say, Did you lose me? Yeah. Yeah, you can say it has an asterisk because I don't know the Hornets didn't play, but that would have made a difference anyway. Every team went through the same thing. It actually worked out a lot better for a lot of teams where, I mean, the Suns, they're prepped to go for next year. They came in hot um, on that. The Nuggets looked great. The Jazz looked really good. I I think it was very competitive. And what's your asterisk going to be? That teams didn't have home court advantage. Who cares? A team that would have had the best home court advantage, arguably, ended up winning the title. Well, they that was some one of the analysts on ESPN even said that he said, I think it may not have been ESPN, but I think it was said, "What's the uh, the saying in the playoffs? The series doesn't start till a uh, home team loses a home game, or the road team wins a road game." Um, but there was only technically one home team, and that was the Magic. So that was their thing. But, yeah. like, to me, it doesn't matter. Like, it was an even playing field across, you know. So I don't think it matters regardless. Do I think there's an asterisk? Every team was at no. full strength, too. Do what? Every, and every team was at full strength, at least going into it. Yeah, much. for the most part. I mean, I just – I don't think you put an asterisk next to it. Do I think that when it gets talked about, it's definitely going to be talked about different? Because it's a different situation. Do I think you take anything away from it? No, because at the end of the day, you play the game, and the best teams make it, best teams win. Regardless. Yeah. It's regardless. Like, it's not, like I said from the start, if it's not LeBron's fault, it's not AD's fault, it's not the Lakers' fault that the Clippers couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. That was supposed to be the premier matchup in the playoffs. It was supposed to, it was going through LA, and they were going to have to play each other to get to the championship. It's not to play about the, the yeah. what? to play the Bucks. Yeah, and the Clippers and the Bucks crap the bed. Yeah, and when the season started, it was the Sixers and it was Toronto. I, I didn't. I, we were we were projected like eighth or seventh power rings. I don't know if that's the East or if that's just in the NBA in general. So us making it to the to the Eastern Conference Championship was a it sucked that we lost for me as a fan, but we overachieved. Do I think? I don't, do I think we would have won the championship? No, I don't. We had too many yeah. holes in spots that got exposed, uh, or that you know that we couldn't. If we couldn't handle Bam, it's not a shot of Bam, but we couldn't handle AD. Yep. Just I'll just put it to you, and that's that's your big ma- mismatch. Now we play them, AD ends up winning the freaking MVP because yeah. he goes for forty a night on us. So, you know, talking about all these other teams at the Clippers and the Bucks and the Sixers who can't make that jump, that's another argument for LeBron's greatness. Is past 10 years, 11 years, because he missed the playoffs that one year that he was injured most of the year, right? Um, Last year. Yeah, his team has not faltered and not been mentally strong enough to miss that. He has carried them and wheeled them to the finals for 10 straight years other than last year when he was injured. Yeah. Listen, and I – That shows that he is the greatest player in the world. Yeah. 
and I listen, I've I've never had a personal issue with LeBron. My my disliking for him has always been his fans. That's but that's been since like they called him the goat in like 07, rubbed me the wrong way, and it's been that way since. That's why yeah. I haven't disliked for him. And now I just kind of nitpick stupid stuff that he does that if Jordan would have done it, I probably would have chuckled. LeBron gets is gonna give you differently. But my thing is, you know, and, and and I'll talk about this. Like I said, I don't I think that it's a legit championship. He won it, they won it, regardless how they want to look at it. But I think it's unfair to say anything about him not shooting that shot and pass it to Danny Green. Because, yes, when Jordan shot it, I think you can make the argument for it. But we've also seen him pass. Yep. Plain and simple. Um, you know what the difference was? Jordan made the right pass because Steve Kerr hit the shot. He made the right pass because John Paxson hit the shot. LeBron would have made the right play if Danny Green hit the yeah, shot. Hit that shot. Yep. And we, and you know, I think it's unfair to judge him for that. I also think it's unfair because uh, Markeith Morris got the rebound and then just turned it over. They had another chance. He went straight J.R. Smith, uh, Golden State Warriors series right there. Just what are you doing? But yeah, you know, like I said, there's you can't really take nothing away from LeBron James and his legacy. Uh, we all know where he stands with me in terms of one and two. Um, and I don't think he's – I don't – I just – he's going to have to play so much longer to surpass Jordan when you're – in my opinion. And the, the, here's the only reason why I say that is because you're going to – you're going to bring in championships. Okay? You're going to – that has to be in the argument for that. Just like with, you know, with quarterbacks. That – it's unfair that an individual has to be judged on a team's success instead of just his. It's unfair. Now is he gonna say he's gonna set the record for everything, points, rebound? You know, he's gonna be the all-time, you know, Physical. record holder for everything. Right. Yes, yeah. but it took him longer to do it. Jordan didn't have to play that long. Jordan also never held those records, so this is what it is. Right. Um, you know what? What, you what? What did you think about LeBron's post-game? Uh, when he was on the stage saying, put some respect on our name. All Childish. That. Didn't like it. I thought it was stupid. Oh, that rubbed me really bad. It's just hey. like, all right, you are the number two player ever, maybe number one, ask, depending on who you ask. I mean, you got another top five player in the world on your team. You're playing for arguably the most successful franchise ever. And you're, uh, you're playing a lesser opponent too. Like there's there's nobody, and unless it's Heat fans – Nobody who's not who who's not slaying it one way or the other An objective really basketball. believed. Yeah. yeah. So and everybody predicted it at the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the bubble, at the beginning of the playoffs, that the Lakers are gonna win. Stop saying people don't respect you. I listen, I understood what he was trying to say. People were saying he was washed and he moved to LA not to be a winner, not to win championships, but to be this direct nonetheless. I understand what he was trying to say. I think he's a crybaby for saying it. I think it's a stupid dude. Yeah. Like if you were to beat, like I'm saying, if you would have beat Giannis, then you can say it because people said that Giannis was better than this year, won the MVP. Yeah. So that's a different situation. But you beat Jimmy Butler, who's always been a fringe superstar 
all-star. There's a difference. He's been a fringe guy. I think he mm-hmm. definitely moved into that superstar status this year because he is a complete – he he kind of, in a LeBron way, changed that team. Mm-hmm. You move him, they suck. You put him on it, they're, they're better, they're tougher. You know, it makes them better. So not comparing the two, but – I just think it's. I think it was. It didn't, I'm not gonna say it rubbed me the wrong way. I just thought it was stupid. Uh, I think he, he picked a. Say it against the Bucks. Say it after you yeah. beat the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. Say like get on the podium. Say it then. Put some respect on on the Laker name. Don't forget who the Clippers were. Those shots then, but like you beat the Heat, bro. Yeah. Like I said, got what I got. What he was trying to say. Uh, but I mean, he's got his, he's got plenty of people who, who pump him up to a level that I don't think anybody ever did for Jordan every day. Kendrick Perkins, Nick Wright, God, most disgusting human beings ever. Hey, yeah. I can't stand him. Nick Wright. I, I hate Nick Wright. He's a Chiefs fan. Hate him. And I don't hate yeah. Chiefs fans. Love them all. I think some of them are rational, but I hate him. See, Jordan never had uh, Skip Bayless and Paul Pierce just going after him nonstop, though. Listen, Skip's a fool. I hate Skip. Um, and Paul's just jealous because he got dominated by Braun. Listen, Paul Pierce is jealous because, as Draymond said, you ain't getting that uh, farewell tour like Kobe. They don't love you like that. That's why he's <laughs> so <Sorry. laughs> One yeah. of the greatest and- NBA moments of all time. <laughs> Yeah, in Paul Pierce's mind, he is a top 10 player of all time. In everybody else's mind, no. 100%. Listen, there's a story. God, who was it? I think it was Kevin Garnett. I know we're getting way off subject here. But Kevin Garnett came out, and he was with Tony Allen. It was I think it was Tony Allen's got like a podcast deal, and I was watching while I was doing cardio. And Tony Allen said, listen, Paul Pierce legit didn't think he was supposed to miss a shot. So if if he hits two or three in a row and then misses one or two, no, no, no. Ball's got to get checked, make sure that's inflated right. And we got to check the rim, make sure it's sitting at the right, make sure there's no bends and nothing. Like, he legit did not think he was supposed to miss a shot. So, yeah, if he acts that way in practice. But I plot, listen, if you believe that's what you are, stick to it. And he has never yeah. faltered. Yeah, if you want to be one of the top guys, you got to have that mindset. But yeah. And listen, I do. I think he got overlooked. I think people, not like I'm saying he's a top 10 guy, but man, he was, during his playing time, when he was at his peak, he was top 10 in the league. If you look, like, from a statistical standpoint, he was, my opinion. Um, But, like I said, kind of, we got way off subject. We got, we went from, we're talking about LeBron, we ended up at Paul Pierce. Granted, Paul Pierce... I mean, it does tie in. It's all full circle because Paul Pierce deeply believes he's better than LeBron. So, yeah. <laughs> got love. Uh, so, what do you think about playoff Rondo? It's a real thing. Listen, I got an argument. If you ever you hate, like, you hate being called playoff Rondo. I have no idea if he hates it, but I listen. There's, uh, there's multiple things I can go with this one on because. I got into a full-blown argument with uh, one of my buddies, Justice, 
he called like he acted like I said Rondo could be a high level valued starter that is like an elite top fifteen point guard. He like he really believes that I said that and I didn't. And there's there's video of it, so I've got proof. What I said was Rondo on a title contender adds a value that you don't get from most mm-hmm. point guards. He's a champion. He's got one of the highest IQs in the NBA. I personally think he's at the second highest IQ in the NBA behind LeBron. Yep. And I don't think it's close. I think he's he knows plays that you're calling. But there's a story that somebody was calling a play. I think it was uh, – who was it? I don't remember. But they were calling a play, and Rondo looked over and said, you don't have that play. It's fake. And the coach was like, damn, you got me. Like, he's <laughs> yeah. that so, like, I think – and I think that Rondo gets disrespected because I think that there's certain stigmas about him that that have stuck. He's, uh, he's tough to coach. He's a jerk. Um, and he can't shoot. Like, just, just those things have always yep. stuck with him. I think he shot at a very well, you know, respectable clip this year in the playoffs. Uh, and I think he was probably the most important role player to that team. Yeah. There was um... – I saw another quote the other day where it was like, when Rondo joined that team, he said, no team can beat us in the playoffs if me and LeBron are together. 100%. They, they're dogs. They got that dog mentality that nobody's going to beat them and nobody's going to outwork them. Yeah. And that's proven. I mean, can, could you imagine having to – you remove the coaching from the, the coaching aspect from it. You have to step on the court against the two smartest players in the NBA who know everything you're going to do. No, could you? Imagine? Hey. Like you can't beat. It's hard to beat that. Yeah, I mean, especially like the Heat too, when they were starting so many young players with Bam and Duncan Robinson and Nunn and Tyler Hero. You can't. They're going to get outsmarted by yeah. Rondo and Braun every part. And then, listen to go back to the start of this. If you want to pull something out of what does this championship mean? They bullied a bunch of a bunch of little kids. Yeah, that's the one thing you can really say. Um, I love. Listen, I'm a playoff Rondo guy. I love Rondo in general. Loved him when he was at Eastern High School in Louisville. Remember watching him play against Mel. Um, I love um, Kentucky Rondo. He was listen. His time in Kentucky was so bad they had to get a team psychiatrist who had to travel with the team. I don't know this story. That's no, that's a fact. There's, I don't know. There was the rumors always been that him and Patrick Sparks hated each other because one of them ended up hooking up with the other one's girlfriend. I don't know how true any of that is, but that's always been a rumor. And that was kind of where like the team psychiatrist had to come in because like there was players that just shut down during the season and people needed some emotional help. <laughs> so Tubby had to bring one in. Just that's saying. awesome. But like I said, you know. Um, I tweeted about it today. I think, you know, the signs that they put up uh, in Louisville, mm-hmm. Louisville's so-and-so, they need to have yep. a Louisville's Rondo. If you can have a Louisville's uh, Jennifer Lawrence, you can have a Louisville's Rondo. Jennifer Lawrence yeah. hasn't done for the city of Louisville what Rondo's done. Rondo created a um, school. Yeah. He has – are created. I don't. I don't even know. I don't know what it is. It's in like an academy. 
uh, he gives like he has created different things for underprivileged youth. He has done a lot. Now, granted, you don't ever hear about it because Rondell's not a talker. Like away from the court, you don't like Rondell. Just you just don't hear nothing about Rondell because Rondell's never involved in anything. So, I just think that playoff Rondo getting his second ring, I think, kind of puts him into the. He's definitely, in my opinion, if you're talking about rings, he's the most accomplished Kentucky player in the NBA to play in the NBA. Yeah, I, mean, no I don't know, you know, old time Kentucky players what their level of success was, because um, I, 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 I haven't dug that far back. I can only talk about it in my lifetime. In my lifetime, he's the most successful. You know, like Antoine Walker won one with the Heat, but he was, I mean, he won one and he wasn't that great at the time he won it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's nobody else really in our lifetime. Cause, you know yeah. Well, even before, because I looked it up and it was like UK players who have won rings in the NBA. And there were a couple back in the 50s with the Celtics who won – I think three or four rings, but that's it. And uh, I remember growing up, like there was nobody that I was a big fan of in, in the pros because who did we have? Tayshaun Prince at the Pistons. And he won two. Loved... Did he win two or did he only win one? The, Pist- they, that Pist- the Pistons only had one. They didn't win back to back? No, they went oh. back to the finals against the Lakers and lost. That's right. So, and he was never – he was never the caliber of player that Rondo's been. Right. He was never the leader yeah. on the court. Never yeah. the go-to guy. Yeah. It's um, it's wild to think about for the program of Kentucky to never have that sustained success in the next level. Now, that's clearly going to change over the next 10 years, 15 years. Hell, it could change yeah. next year. If, if Rondo doesn't stay with L.A., they win again, and A.D. stays – does AD move in front of him? Yeah. I'd have to say so. Yeah, with AD, all of AD's four four all-NBA teams, seven NBA all-stars. Now, I think he has working. to remain healthy, you know, win yeah. it and remain healthy afterwards. But Yeah, I'm just saying out of, like, Kentucky being the program that in the NBA, it's going to be that way for the next 15 years because you got Devin Booker who came into his own, Jamal Murray and – Cat and AD and then you got Shea and Tyler Hero and it's just going to keep going and going for the next 15 years even after Calipari leaves Kentucky and we don't put as many players in the league. Yeah. No, I mean, like I said, I just there's there's something about that Kentucky thing. You know, just playing at Kentucky, it just translates so well to the NBA. Especially now, Cal does a great job. He has people that develop kids into a, you know, Kenny Payne being one of them who's now with the Knicks, but they do a great job developing that way. When they come in, they're ready. So, like, that level of success starts from day one. Like, they're building from day one instead of having to sit and then gradually work into it. Um, Well, that goes back to what we talked about a couple of podcasts ago, where it's like, what's the difference between Kentucky players and Duke players in the NBA? That's because Cal teaches them how to play positionless basketball, mm-hmm. and ha- and how to be how to be a superstar in that role that they're on, whatever role they're in, yeah. how to be great at that role. That way, when your number's called to be in a little bit bigger role, you've already been overachieving somewhere else. Now, now this is nothing. 
So, and I think yeah. he did that with Bam. I know Bam hated playing the center at Kentucky. But hell, he plays the center for the Heat. Yep. He just steps out more. He's allowed to step out a little bit more. Um, so that's, I mean, like I said, that's my thoughts on it. I think he's, I think as of right now, Rondo's got to be number one when, it talk, when you talk about most successful Kentucky players to play in the NBA from that standpoint of one, two championships. Um, you know, I think he's one of the most underappreciated passers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also think he's, like I said, he's the second smartest player in the league. So, yeah. But, yeah. So, uh, go ahead. No, as I was gonna say, you, you had said something about, yeah, Rich Eisen so, uh, and his rant. Yeah. So I don't listen to Rich Eisen a ton. I think he works for the NFL. So he's obviously going to suck up to them all the time. Mm-hmm. But, he went on a pretty good rant the other day. It was about a 10 minute rant. You'll find it on his Twitter. And he was talking about how right now the NFL is getting dragged through the mud because certain teams are starting to have the Patriots and the Titans are starting to have their outbreaks, but you're not hearing that in college football. It was when Oklahoma had 20 players test positive, not too much there. Auburn having a ton of players test positive. Now, I haven't seen the news today with Florida and LSU getting their game canceled, but it's starting to happen a lot more in college football, and you're not hearing nearly as much people dogging on college football players about that. And, and Vandy and, and Mizzou uh, had their game canceled yesterday, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it, I mean, it made me think, and the issue that comes up is that these players are – the NFL players get paid a ton of money – they should be responsible. Just suck it up. Live your life in a bubble. College kids are going to be college kids. That's really the easy excuse that comes to my mind. But, yeah, I don't understand why NFL players are getting as beat up as they are about this. So here's my theory, okay? You kind of tapped in on it. NFL players get paid. So it is your job to follow the protocols to follow whatever guidelines they've set. If they have set you're and, and you're an adult, that's another point. Uh, but you are, you're asked to do this, this, and this. Now, is there going to be an out? Listen, there's no way to prevent an outbreak. There's no way to prevent positive cases. Well, there is the NBA in a bubble, in a bubble, the NBA and, and other places have shown it, but if you're not in a bubble, you know, it's really hard to do it because, you know, and, and nobody knows how some of them got it. Okay, mm-hmm. there's theories on it. You know, there was theories when the Phillies got it. They said that, oh, they went out to a casino or whatever. Yeah. Okay. But like with the NFL players, who knows? I if I, play, if I play for the Patriots, I go to practice. My wife went to the grocery and got it from somebody there. She got it, came back, and I got it from her. Well, I technically didn't do anything wrong. Right. But now, because I've got a positive case... I'm now being drugged through the mud. My name is because of that. So I think that's unfair. But if if that's not the case and you're and you're purposely going out and breaking what what the rules are, the protocols are, the guidelines, then yeah, you you are an issue. You're the problem. With college, these are kids. They're not making money. So they're not there's a different level of expectations versus an adult 
who gets paid millions yeah. of dollars to do something and kids who uh, aren't getting paid a dime. So now do I think, I think that, that, that uh, opinion will change. I think there'll, there'll be schools that start to kind of get drugged in the mud and it won't be the players. It'll be the leadership. It'll be coaches and stuff like that. What's like going on with Dan Mullen right now. Yeah, like Dan Mullen wanted, what, like 90,000 people at the game? Yeah, he wants full capacity at the game. Stupid. But, yeah, like, and now his his game's canceled. So he'll, he'll get drugged through the mud, uh, especially if they have to cancel again. Or not cancel, I'm sorry, postpone. Um, but I, like, And I made it very clear my opinion last week. If you have to postpone multiple weeks because you can't get it under control, it needs to be a forfeit. It's a little mm-hmm. bit different in the NFL because you're playing with somebody's money versus college. But if you start taking wins from teams and adding losses and it prevent them from getting bowl games, playoff eligible, you know, if you can, yeah. if you start doing that, I think it, it, it kind of changes. All right, boys, Yank, we're not doing this. If you get, if you get the COVID test, po- uh, positive COVID test, because you were out and we find out you were out doing something, you're gone. I think it changes some stuff. Yeah. Because at that point in college, just like in the pros, if you don't win, and especially if you're at a high level institution, if you're not winning at that high level, if you're, if you're Alabama and and Nick Saban is in, let's say he's, he's had a couple of rough years, but this is the team. This is supposed to be when it turns around. He loses three games all because of forfeit hot seat. He's gone. Well, so that was the thing this year. They were talking about, this is a year that, it's kind of a mulligan for coaches, unprecedented circumstances, whatever that cliche is, that we're going to let coaches just coach this year and not hold them responsible for the record. Will Muschamp, if USC has to cancel or postpone three or four games because of a COVID outbreak, or Derek Mason at Vanderbilt, I th- you go ahead and fire him. Couldn't control his team. He could. I, th- I think the issue with the NFL is that the – NFL from the top leadership went into this season kind of like nothing was happening. Like, yeah, we're going to do the daily test, but we're still going to bring fans to some fans to games. And um, they probably should have figured out a bubble system like the NBA did, but to only schedule, make the schedule to where it's 17, 18 weeks, like it normally is. You can't do that. And now you're shifting eight teams around. And like Melvin Gordon came out and said last week, like we prepared all week for a game and it gets canceled last minute. Sweet. He used worse language than that. But yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate for teams that it's not their fault. Right. Yeah. That's not fair. Yeah. So that's and what so I'm I saying. Like that's why the NFL is getting dragged through regardless of what happens with the players, the leadership at the top did not make plans for this. Mm-hmm. And they should have known that game. If you're not doing a bubble, games are going to get changed around and postponing, potentially forfeited or whatever. Yep. Build that into your schedule. Figure it out. Don't try to act like it's a normal season. Yeah. I mean, I kind of had made a point uh, a long time ago that take – when you change all the schedules, change everybody's schedules and map it to where, all right, we can put these four teams in one city – and they're going to play in a bubble for a mm-hmm. month. They got to have their four games, okay, or their three, whatever it is. They're going to have their games. 
And then after, everybody's got a week to be removed. And then we shift around to now you're going to go to this bubble. Yep. That way it you can kind of, you have more control over it. The bubble works. Adam Silver proved that the bubble works. And he was in the NBA did it. WNBA did it. WMLS or the Women's Pro Soccer League did it. MLS did it. It worked for all four of those. The TBT was kind of the guinea pig. They started it, I think. Yeah. And it worked out perfect. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's the bubble works. It sounds stupid. There's a reason that MLB changed the playoffs to that. Because they knew this is where our cash is going to be made. We got to make sure we keep a product on the field. So let's put them in a position where they can't fail. And a bubble is a hard place to fail. The ones who failed in the NBA bubble, Lou Will, kind of got a slap on the wrist. If you think about it, slap on the wrist. Now, the kid from – Chicken wings, though. Do what? I I would do the same thing for chicken wings. A little lemon pepper? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Uh, But the the – the other guy from was it from the Rockets? Yeah, why can I think Daniel House, wasn't it? Yeah, but his was sneaking somebody into his room. He brought somebody in, so uh, the that's that was a little bit different. That's what I'm saying. Like, and they handled it. They sent him home. So yeah, kind of strong arm the penalties. Like, listen, this is what the penalty is. There's no way around it. Not a three strike system. Hell no. Listen, it's one strike you're out. Is it like to, to make sure that we can, can keep a product on the field, whatever sport it is, if you're not going to have a bubble, there's a one strike and you're gone. Yep. And it's the teams at that point, NFL says you're gone. You're done for the season. It's a choice by the, uh, the team, whether or not you get paid. Now there's going to be some breach of contracts. I'm sure. And some lawsuits. If you know, teams are threatening not to pay guys, but I think, I've said this since day one. They need to sign a waiver. 100% liability. You know, you're choosing to play. If you screw this up because you were selfish, you don't get paid. Do I think NFL players will sign that? I think it'd be really hard to get an NFL player to sign it. Because they're, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, if football matters to you, if any sport matters to you, you'll do whatever is necessary to maintain the, the status quo. And there's a lot – you see it. It's not a bunch of teams. Two or three. Yep. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes down to leadership because I'm not going to rip the players for it because, hey, I'm going out to – I go out and grab dinner sometimes, and I grab, I've been out to breweries to get drinks. Yeah. I get it. 100%. I mean, but I go to – you know, I go to the gym. Uh, I go to one gym that doesn't require a face mask at all. None, like at all. I go there half the time, go to Planet Fitness the other half the time, where they only require it when you're walking around the gym. Once you start working out, once you're on a machine, you don't have to wear it. So, could easily catch something there. I go to work where my work does not require one to be worn. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, I'm, I put myself in the position to where I could possibly catch it too. But that's my choice. And I'm it's also not, not, yeah, so. I'm not. I'm not playing for a million dollar contract, and 
if I catch it, it ruins it for me. Yeah, my risk reward is a lot different than theirs. Huge difference. So yeah. Um we've got our Mount Rushmore segment. Correct? Correct. You came up with it. Yeah, we're doing Mount Rushmore of game day, your game day spread, your snacks, your eats, what you want at your tailgate or on your counter because you're having the boys over. Or girls. Both like sports, too. (laughs) So uh, We're inclusive here. Yeah, inclusive. We don't discriminate. Um, But – as always, any Mount Rushmore segment we have, it's always sponsored by Out of Focus Images by Chelsea. She's um, she's got a lot of things going on, packages. Um, four, she got like four shoots for like a hundred dollars or something like that that she's got going on. She's got senior pictures, um, three shoots for like seventy five. I'm not sure. Um, quick turnaround. She gets she gets most of the uh, work done within a day or two. Uh, something to send back out. So um, find her page on Facebook messenger if you have seniors who need pictures juniors who are going to need senior pictures in in the future or if you just want to take some cute family pictures coming up uh for the fall and christmas and do all that cute stuff so but (laughs) i don't do pictures man it's just not my thing yeah same so i mean we all seen how we reacted when we went to florida and we had to take giant family pictures yeah it got weird it did so do you want to, since it was your, this is your baby, do you want to start? Yeah, I mean, I brought it up three minutes before we started this podcast, so I haven't put much thought into it. But um, it was a solid choice. I like it. It was not something that would ever cross my mind. Yeah. All right. So we're also allowing you, you get one drink choice because you got to have some uh, some brews or some cocktails at your at your tailgate. It's so number one off the board. Um we're going with buffalo chicken dip. No brainer there. Number three, pimento cheese. Love that. Never had it when I was in Kentucky, but it's the Carolina in me now. Get a little spicy <laughs> pimento cheese dip. Ooh. Uh, number two, this is where it's tough for me. The one that is consistently coming to mind is just buffalo wings. I'm just cruising through those. And then number one, it's it's absolutely the most important. It's just a fresh bush light, um, just freshly squeezed. You go ahead and it, it, it's going to go down your throat pretty smooth and just take a couple to the house. Yeah. So you went three foods, one drink? Three foods, one drink. I thought we were and doing I made what was most important. I thought, we, I thought we were doing four foods with the addition of a drink. Whatever you want to do, man. Well, what's your fourth food? Well, see, on my Mount Rushmore, there's only four heads, right? No, mine and too. But you said like the complimentary part of it was the the beverage to to wash it all down. But we still had to pick four for the Mount Rushmore. This like the the beverage is like the little is like the guy who takes the tourist guy, like he takes the tourists around to show them everything. Okay, okay that's fair. Um, put me on spot because I can't think of much else. So we're gonna put some. Oh, some queso with sausage in there. Solid. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a big dip guy here. Um, yeah. There we go. Okay. So, uh, I'm a little bit different. I don't do all the dips. But I'm going to say. Snacking. Snacking. Yeah, I know. Um, 
but for me, I don't snack, so I'm just gonna go with foods. Okay. Okay. Uh, I gotta go with a uh, the Johnsonville's um, better cheddar sauce brought thing that they got. Got us. We got a package in the fridge. I'm waiting to bust it open this weekend. So go with that. Bust it. Um, it's hard to beat a good cheeseburger. Hard to beat yeah. a good cheeseburger. Um, so so I got cheeseburgers. I got hot. I got the the better cheddars. Um, number one is the sausage queso dip. Yeah, it's not even close. Like I just, I think I asked Chelsea to make that every weekend. It's so easy to make too. Yes. Uh, and then I would say number two would be kind of like just any chicken. Anything okay. chicken. I think you just, with some barbecue on it. Can't be just like plain baked chicken, but I'm talking like grilled with some barbecue spread on it. I go with that. Uh, and then to wash it down, you know, a good, good Michelob Ultra or a Trulies. One of the two. Yeah. The drink is actually the toughest point. Oh, not for me. I have a go-to. Well, if it's like a – we're talking about like a noon UK football game, I'm going to be out there at 8 a.m. with a Bloody Mary or a screwdriver. <laughs> but if we got a late afternoon kickoff and I can get it going, we're going Bush Light. Yeah. We just have different opinions. But you're all. I like to graze throughout the day. I don't like to just eat a ton at one point. Um. But no, your bratwurst, those are going to sit out for a little bit. Those be just fine. Yeah, it's good. I'm hungry right now. I haven't ate in a while. Yeah, I haven't yeah. either. I ate it uh, I had, uh, like a scoop of peanut butter or something when I got home from work at 6 a.m. <laughs> so yeah, that's an issue. It is. I'm a little hungry. Yeah. Um, all right. Last topic since we're talking about UK football tailgates. Oh, God. Let's talk about some UK football. Okay. And the arguably the roughest football game I have ever watched. That was, it was, was tough. It was bad. Saturday. It was bad. Uh, it was, well, one side of the football was bad. Um, for both teams, both teams' offense looked terrible. Our defense looked great. Uh, they shut me up because I've been the biggest critic in the world mm-hmm. about them, especially on here. Um, Bossman Fat has been listening to sideline junkies. He must have been. He uh, I haven't gotten a text or nothing from him or a tweet. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know how much he hates me. Um, maybe I'm the motivator. I don't know. Maybe I. He may have a picture of me up on the wall with a little quote that says, "You can go back to LSU. Quit talking that smack." I don't know. Possible. Um, yeah. Here's the only thing I will say about. It. Outside of we all we all got our prediction right. Todd was the one that was right. He said ten plus. Um, the. Once again, Terry Wilson was blamed for everything last week. Um, could you find parts to blame him for? Yes. Uh, but here's the thing. If you're in a pass play and your offensive line is not blocking and you're under pressure constantly like that, it's hard to be successful. It's hard to be successful when your receivers drop six passes. You know, people were calling for Gatewood towards the end of the game. 
he goes in, throws one, the receiver drops it. So it's not it's not a Terry Wilson thing. That's a receiver yeah. thing. So do I think Terry made some questionable calls? Yes. But nobody wants to point the finger at the other issues. We were on our third running back. We couldn't constantly – now, granted, it's my, he's probably my favorite running back on the team, but we, we couldn't constantly run in a, a another good running back like we have been able to. We had a stable of them. Now we don't. So you have that problem. You have the offensive line play terrible. The worst game I've seen out of them in probably three Horrible. years. Yes. It was almost like the the offensive line said, hey, defense, hold my beer. I'll show you how to really suck. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's what they looked like. You know, the receivers aren't making any catches. But once again, we'll go back to it. Eddie Grant. Thank God he came out with it. It's all over social media. Yesterday he came out and said, I have to be a better play caller. Not that it's shocking news to anybody. It wasn't breaking news. It didn't pop up on the ticker so everybody could see. We knew. We all know. But – he is I think he he kind of gets to skate under the radar because people want to blame the people who are on the field versus the people who are supposed to be putting them in place to be successful. Eddie Grant has done a terrible job of making Terry Wilson successful or giving him the opportunities to. Just my opinion. Uh I've argued with plenty of people. And then people said, you know, people want to criticize Terry Wilson for how he played the entire game, but say, you know. Eddie Grant didn't need to do this that, or the other because we had such a comfortable lead. He didn't need to open. He didn't need to open the playbook too much. Like, bro, I don't know who they think we are, but we are still Kentucky. We are not Alabama, where you're saving plays because it's going to matter when you play a uh, an Auburn or somebody to get to a national championship. That's not. That's just not who we are. That's not what our playbook is going to be preventing us from. So, stupid opinion. Um, but people need to start treating Eddie Grant the same way they want to treat Terry Wilson. If he's if his head's on the chopping block, so is Eddie Grant's. Yeah, I think um, I think it's the first game where he can you can criticize Terry, not not to the extent that hey, let's get Gatewood starting. I think it was a terrible game for everybody on offense and offense affiliated. So Eddie Grant, garbage play calling, offensive line horrendous Terry missed a lot of passes so you can get after him on that um, and then the receivers continue to be an issue where they're dropping every pass I'm excited about the defense though they finally looked like the defense that they were supposed to look like yeah well I mean we the only bad bad game they played was against Ole Miss Auburn looked pretty decent they got into some unfortunate positions where Auburn only had to go 20 yards for a touchdown so that the score looks a lot worse than it should be. Mm-hmm. But the defense looked really good. We were able to get pass rush with three players, which that might just be a Mississippi State thing. Um, I thought I thought we did a great job of calling the game on the defensive side because we, we would constantly – we'd go from three to four to five back to three. We constantly mixed it up. We didn't just drop eight back in coverage every time, which is what um, – whoever Mississippi State played the week before was doing. Yeah, I think so. And it kind of gave Kentucky a blueprint. We didn't just do that. We mixed up the, you know, and like I said last week, you have to get to the quarterback. You can drop eight back and get no pressure to the quarterback. He can still stand back there and pick you apart. 
because he's got all day to do whatever he wants. So you have to put him in a position to where he can't look down the field. So you have to constantly make him move. And I thought we did a great job of it. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, pretty uh, – like every game you text me and you say our best players are punter. <laughs> I, th- I think that might be the first game I've ever seen Max Duffy get out-punted. That Mississippi State punter was nuts. Well, hell, he had a bigger sample size. I think he punted 10 yeah. times. Yeah, so did Max Duffy. Yeah, I don't think it was 10. No, it was. Was it? Yeah. Okay. It was 10. But you can't argue Max Duffy's our best offensive player. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. No. If we – if Grant actually uh, – But we're playing the if game. If Grant actually played the smart game or played the right game and ran the ball, then we would see pretty quickly that Chris Rodriguez or Cavassi Smoke are our best players. Without a doubt. I agree. So, this is yeah. what it is. So, do you Thought have anything else? Week? Well, what's your prediction for this weekend? We win. Not going to go against us. All right. Yeah, I'm a. I think it's going to be a pretty ugly game. Probably like 17 to 13. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think we're an offensive juggernaut. So I'm not going to exceed my prediction of 21. Yeah. Three rushing touchdowns. Yes, yeah, we still have a chance at the seven and three, though. <laughs> still got a chance at eight and two. Yeah, Bama looked weak last week. They didn't look great. They definitely look yeah. better than us. But yeah. So, uh, is that all you got? That's all I got. All right. So, that's going to be it for just me and David um, for episode 37. Um, now we're going to jump into the interview with uh, JJ Trainer, little basketball player, former Barstown Tiger. Um, but other than that, we want to thank y'all for giving us a listen. What's up, man? What you been up to? Nothing much. Uh, just got back to my dorm. Just grabbed some food. Okay. Did y'all not practice today? Not today. We have a meeting today, and then we start official practice tomorrow. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad you, you, you were able to come on today. Because um, I think your story is pretty unique. Um, kind of from where you came from your junior year, especially. Um, and I think it's it would be for for kids, especially around not just around the state of Kentucky, Barstown, Louisville, whatever, but across the whole country, just to kind of they can see kind of the blueprint of what constant work and a grind can get you eventually. So um, let's just jump right into it. You know, when you were a junior. I guess going into the regional tournament, they came out with the, and I still remember this. And the reason I remember it is because um, I was one of the the coaches that made sure we voted for you for the all region team. Mm. But you didn't really, you know, you didn't get a lot of love across the whole region for that. Did that like, was that kind of what started the fire for you? Yeah. um, I'd say, during junior year, we really started it a little bit was the Trinity game going against David. And uh, 
that kind of made me realize how much better I have to be because a lot of coaches came to see me, but like no one talked to me after that game because I played so poorly. Okay. So after that, it just really, I really got mad about it helped me pick up and then going to the region. And I saw, uh, I still remember the practice. Coach B came up to me and was like, did you see they uh, left you off or whatever? And I was like, yeah. And then that really made me mad. And after that, uh, in districts, I, I took over and then played really well in our first region game. And then after that, that's when I started working out more with Dion and Coach B every day and just continue to get better. So that's – and that's where I was going to go next. You know, after your junior year, you you kind of – or maybe even during, you were kind of introduced to Deion Lee. And mm-hmm. um, things for you just changed. The development – and, you know, Deion Lee in – I think even outside the state is very well known at this point. He's got his hands on uh, a lot of different very successful basketball players. Uh, Romeo oh. Langford. Um, you know, he works with Rondo, uh, D'Angelo, um, you know, and you now. So what was, what was getting with him like for you? I mean, did he just completely change everything for you? The way you thought about what purposeful work, like a, a workout is, what a purposeful workout is as far as getting better. Did he change all that for you? Yeah, definitely. As soon as I met Dion, uh, I actually met him my sophomore year, but okay. I didn't work out with him. And it, I actually turned him down and uh, went to another AU team. And I and he kept texting my mom, wanted me, like, kept on, like, throughout my sophomore and junior year and kept asking her, like, can I get him? Can I get him? I just wouldn't. I didn't go. But then I want to say October, right before my ju- uh, junior season, that was my first workout with him. And then he just like, he immediately was like real with me the whole time. And uh, after the season, we picked it up and uh, he never like was soft with me and just kept it how it was. And uh, he really opened my eyes to to like know how much work I would have to put in mm-hmm. and knowing how good I have to be. And like, this, this is for real, like, Money's involved. Like this isn't a game. Yeah, and things like that just made me realize the seriousness of it. Yeah, and he doesn't. He doesn't play any games, right? Like during the workout, if you if you aren't going hard, he lets you know. <laughs> oh yeah, he's gonna let you know for sure. Yeah. So, you know, going into that uh, that summer, you know, you get on, you start training with him. You're you're with his AAU program. Um. You don't have any offers yet. Some interest. Um, what? Who was the first team? Because you know you blew up, and it was it was the craziest thing to see. You know, I at the time I was in between where I was going to be. I was moving from Campbellsville to Bardstown, so I kind of kept up with it. Uh, you your rise from where you were to where you ended up was insane to watch. Um, so, like, where, where, who was the first school? Who was the one that jumped on you and it just changed everything? Throughout junior year, I had a little bit of interest from Dayton. But the first school to offer me was WKU. I remember going to um, – it was the first AU t- tournament with Dion in Kansas City. 
Okay. And uh, it was, I want to say it was like April. Mm-hmm. And then I, it was like, there was, a, I have a screenshot on my phone of all the colleges that were there. And uh, I had an okay game the first game, but Coach Stansbury was there watching me. And Coach Stansbury knew Coach B, and, like, they had been talking about me a little bit. And uh, he saw something in me. And so after that first weekend, he offered me. And then I want to say Ball State might have offered me right after. And then I went to play at uh, another tournament in Indiana. And um, – that's when I picked up a lot more mid-majors, Northern Kentucky, a couple other schools. And then um, that's that's it for the spring. And then do you want me to talk about the summer as well? Yeah, yeah. just work all the way through it. Yeah. Okay. And then we continue to work out. Like June, we didn't, uh, we didn't, you know, June's the dead period. There's no AU games. Yeah. So we agreed that we were going to work out like every day. So I stayed with Dion literally like, weeks like I didn't go home yeah and uh we woke we woke up 6 6 a.m 7 a.m workout we would work out like three times a day just getting better at the game getting getting stronger getting to know the game better mm-hmm. and then we came back after the four weeks we came back and went um we played in um Lake Point I want to say okay or maybe somewhere before that. Well, anyway, Lake Point was the biggest for me because that's where uh, Evan Daniels, you know, 247 sports mm-hmm. guy. Yep. Former, and uh, a lot of schools were there. And um, I was the – we were in Under Armour, and I was the breakout performer of, like, the whole thing. And, like, I was just dominating every game. And, um, like, more and more schools were just sitting on that sideline, Cincinnati – DePaul, like bigger schools, Texas. Texas was on there for a little bit. And then um kept uh so that after that I picked up some offers, more offers. And then another part that was big right when school started, August, mm-hmm. I would uh a lot of schools that didn't want to didn't get to see me play AU wanted to see me work out. So Coach B and Coach Dion. You, you were around for yep, some of this, maybe. Yep. Those 6 a.m.s, uh, Yeah, six workouts for those schools. Uh, um, Maryland, Virginia Tech, um, Louisville, Cincinnati, a lot of schools. Mizzou mm-hmm. came once. And we would just work out in the mornings uh, for those workouts. And I picked up some offers for that. Um, that was about it. And then after that, I had a certain – okay, this is the schools I'm looking at. Yeah. But um, overall, it was crazy because, like, how I went from, like, all those – the interests and offers and how much better I got in six months was crazy to me. Yeah. Like, um, I didn't think it was – sometimes I didn't think it was real. Like, I had, like – I want to say, like, before I committed, I was just sitting in my room like, dang, this is crazy. Like, <laughs> I'm really about to commit big school six months ago I didn't have any offers but um it just shows like don't ever give up and continue to work at it and anything's possible yeah 100 and I you know I know that's got to be a tough decision 
uh, you know, trying to pick between schools, schools that you had a relationship with for a very long time, since almost from day one of the yeah. recruiting process to the very end. You know, was it, you know, for you, your dad playing for Louisville, having, um, you know, I'm sure you were a Louisville fan growing up as well, having a few ties to it. When Louisville offered, was it, was it like, all right, it's a done deal? Did you know at that moment or were you just kind of open-minded still? No, I was open-minded still. It wasn't, okay. a, it was more of a deal to my family. My family was very happy about yeah. that. But to me, honestly, it never really, like it was a big deal to me, but I was still like open-minded. Like I was not for sure going there. Yeah. And uh, me and my family talk about it and I would like, at times I would want to go to another school over that. But like as the recruiting process and I got to know the coaches better, uh, my feelings started swaying to Louisville more. Mm -hmm. and, but at first I was still like, I, I like here. I still like here. I like there. Yeah. I'm not about to um, take away from all those people I met, all the coaches I've got relationships with just to go here just because it's home. Yeah. But um, it was definitely a long process and a hard process, a lot of thinking and talking between my family of trying to pick the school. But um, I, I'm sure we made the right decision. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, you know, I know you could kind of see it um, just kind of in your, your body language and just as you were able to commit that day, you had your ceremony and everything, you just looked at ease. Like the weight's off your shoulder. You can now just go back to just playing basketball. And that yeah. was – you know, I mean, that was, I know, big for you because it's it's not something – you don't want to constantly go through that for a very long time. Like, I never understand how kids can – they've got a top 11 and then a top 7 and then a top 3, and this thing spans out for, like, two years. I don't get it because I, I think it would be mentally just stressful. <laughs> so, but like I said, you know, you got that out of the way early. You had a hell of a senior season. Um, you know, we make it to the – Regional championship, where where I don't think Bardstown had been for a while. Um, you were there's, and I don't think anybody's gonna argue this with me, but you were probably the most dominant player that walked through the doors that whole week at Taylor County. I don't think it's, I, and I would say that in any game we went into, you were the most dominant player in the gym. So, do you feel? And you know, and you know what? If you don't want to answer, you don't have to. But you got co-player of the year for the fifth region, mm -hmm. right? Bob, I don't know. I think you got. Did you get it outright by one group and then another group voted you co-player? Yeah, I got co-player, and then another group said he was Alex was. I want to okay. Say. So and and like I'm saying, I don't want to take nothing away from Alex. Great player, but I said it all last year. I said we got the best player in the state place for Barstown so I know for somebody who who's worked as hard as you have when it comes around to getting that acknowledgement getting those awards you know you want those awards because it's kind of like this is my my gift for how what I put in um so did, I mean did it bother you at all um that some people considered you a co-player of the year and some people didn't even give it to you for the region Definitely. It definitely bothered me. When that came out, I was really actually pissed off. Uh, mm -hmm. 
because um, I feel like I was the better player. I feel like I was the best player in the state. But um, I also have respect for Alex, and I uh, I noted I I seen what he has done over mm-hmm. the past four years, averaging what double double since his sophomore year, I think. Yep. And he had the uh, career, I would say, but I just felt like that award was like for the, of the year, like that yeah. year. Who was the 100%. Mm-hmm. player that year? And I feel like that was me. But I can't be mad at that. I mean, I mean, I am mad at that, but I'm also happy he won. I'm not one of those guys that's just going to hate on him for it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that did upset me a lot. I want to say I was pretty upset that day. So then you kind of fast forward. You had to fast forward a couple months because COVID hits and you're not able to – they're not able to do the Mr. Basketball Awards, you know, when they were supposed to. Uh, yeah. So when that takes place, and and I don't know, you may know, uh, I don't know what you finished in voting. You know, I don't think I was never told, so I don't know. But like I said, once again, felt like we had the best player in the region. I felt like we had the best player in the state, and you at Barstown. So I was a little upset. I've I have voiced that across social media quite a bit. Uh, you know, especially when it happened. Um, so did Coach B, but. Was which one hurt more? Did like the or was it an equal kind of thing? Did you feel like you may not get it because you didn't get it the the outright for the region, or what was your feelings towards it? Going into it, the Mister Basketball, I, I was kind of nervous of not getting it because I didn't get fifth region, but honestly, hmm. Both of them really made me mad and like was really disappointing. But I'd say Mr. Basketball more because my family was there and like the city was behind me and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I kind of felt like I let everybody down when that happened. But um, I mean, both of them felt kind of bad, but I'd say Mr. Basketball hurt more. But he had a great career, so I kind of understand why he got it. Mm-hmm. But I felt like back to what I was saying, Mr. Basketball, and I feel like I had a better season. My stats were better and things like that. But I feel like we had the better team as well. But things happen, so. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you know, me and Coach B have talked about it. We've actually talked about it on here. I talked to Wes Hinton about it, which I know you know who Wes is. Uh, down there at uh, the gym that you all work out in. But, you know, we've talked about it. If you sign with Louisville and there's a player that's going to Kentucky or from, uh, you know, that's not going to Louisville, that is up for it with you, they're probably going to get it over you. It's just – it's kind of how it's always played yeah. out. Um, you know, and it's, and it's unfortunate. I don't think it's fair. But at the end of the day, you know, there's only so much you can do. Um, I promise you this: you didn't let no way in the city down. Yeah, yeah. We. I, I will say we're... though, I will say that uh, I feel like what really hurt my case was uh, the beginning of the season. The beginning of the season, I was in my head so much. I was thinking like, I've never been like held to this high expectation. Now, like. 
coming into it, coming into the season, everybody was like, why, like some people were like, why did he get this? Like, he's not, I haven't seen Jay. I did, they didn't see me play in the summer Yeah. or they haven't seen the progress. Hey, they think I'm still the same player from junior year. So going into it, they was like, why is he getting this? Why is he that? He's not even like that. Things like that. So I had that all in my head and trying to prove them wrong. And I I was playing okay, but I, I wasn't playing how I was towards the end when I, like after January, when I just stopped worrying about that and just start playing my game. Yeah. But uh, I feel like towards the beginning and like King of the Bluegrass, I should have played way better and things like that. But I was just in my head and um, just uh, once I stopped listening to that and then I, I feel like my second half of the season was so much better. And if I would have kept that second half, like the, uh, did the second half, did the first half like I did the second half, I feel like I would have won it. But, um, yeah. So, you know, I, trust me, I agree 100%. Um, you know, I, I felt like there was games where you would try to do stuff because you felt like you had to prove yeah. That you were who people who people were saying you were to people. Um, and once you just kind of like you went with it, you just hooped. Like there was nobody in the gym. And I don't know if you remember this, but it was the I don't remember if it was, I think it was the E-Town game. And I said, they can't stop you in the paint. Just go dominate them in the paint. And I know and like for you, somebody who can play on the perimeter, most people don't want to hear go play, go dominate in the paint. You know, because if you can play on the perimeter, you won't play on the perimeter. I understand how the game is. I ain't stupid. But, you know what I'm saying? But you did. And I don't, like I said, I don't know if you remember that there was – I know I talked to you, Jarrell, and Javon. But I told you that. And I think you scored – I don't remember how many points you scored in the game. But I want to say you had 16. You had 27. So, you had 16 in the paint. And I think you shot like 90% in the paint. And I was, I was thrilled. I was like, listen, he, I told him to do something. He did it. And he's the most dominant player in the gym. Nobody's stopping him. Now, you know, we didn't get the result we wanted. Was, do you feel like that not accomplishing going to state? Is that, does that bother you? Or do you feel like as an individual, you accomplished everything you set out to accomplish in high school? Mm, I, obviously I would have wanted to go to state, but I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not upset with my, how my scene, my season went, Yeah. but I, I think I would have, I would have won that game. I wish I could have got that game back. I feel like we were, we were up at halftime, weren't we? Pretty yeah, like sure. four, maybe four. And then, but they played a good game. Um, just hit some tough shots. I think the time time ran out on us, but uh, it was definitely a fun time. Region was the region was so fun. We talk about it all the time when I go back home. But um, I think going on the state, even though it would have got canceled because of COVID, but just knowing we won the region mm-hmm. would have been a good feeling. But uh, I don't really have no regrets for my high school season. Yeah, I, was, I mean, I've talked to multiple people that, you know, were at the games, um, and they said the two best games 
of the tournament was us and John and then us and E-Town. They said those were two of the best high school games they had seen in years. And, mm-hmm. I mean, they were a blast to coach. I'm sure they were a blast to play in. Um, yeah, that John that John game was lit. <laughs> that John game was fun. It was. I mean, just it was – and I think it's because there was just – it came down to players making plays. Mm-hmm. You know, like you got to get a stop. So you can't really say like there's nothing you can call as a coach. We got to get a stop. So, so we got to have five guys who can make a stop. And our guys did it. And our guys, our guys made constant plays. And, you know, you, um, Jarrell, you know, everybody, Javon, heck, Boo Boo, Treat, uh, Terraylin, everybody. Everybody stepped up and did something. And, uh, you know, that's – it made last year um, fun because halfway through the year, you know, we're we're not sitting pretty. We're, I think we were close to 500 at one point. Um, to, and yeah. to go from that to where we went to, man, it was, it was a crazy ride. Um, I want to say we won 15 games straight, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was, it was something like that. I mean, we went – I mean, after Christmas, things turned around and we started playing better. Um, and I think, you know, everybody started to – get healed because everybody, I mean, you know, we had a couple people with uh, small injuries that just needed some rest and, and we finally got it. Um, but, you know, you take that, what you accomplished in your success in high school and you're taking it to Louisville who uh, has went through what they've went through in recent years. And you have a coach who's fiery, who has, you know, a passion. It clear, I mean, I'm sure you, you've you seen the video. <laughs> <laughs> that video is so funny. <laughs> Hilarious. And, and that's what and we told everybody. Like, I, I thought it was what I thought it was, but I'm a Kentucky guy. So, but it's what I feel like the rivalry needs because yeah. I feel like it's kind of been missing. Now you have a coach who's like, I don't care to call Coach Cal out. We we want the smoke. Like that's what he's saying. And I and I like that because that's what you need in a rivalry game. You need that, like we it's aren't afraid to step on the court with you. It's catch is never mind the fact. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> so, you know, what are your you know, not I don't want to know what his expectations are. I want to know what what are your expectations, maybe. You and some of the players on the team, what do you all think you all can accomplish this year? Well, going into it now, a lot of people are overlooking us because we lost a lot of talent, uh, lost a lot of seniors. And we're mm-hmm. a young team. We only have three uh, seniors, counting the grad transfers, I want to say. But um, I think we're a really good team, and I think we're going to surprise a lot of people. Um we don't have a, as much shooters as last year, but I, we are definitely a more athletic team. Everybody can get up. Everybody can rebound. Everybody's strong. You know, we're a good team. So I think we're really trying to focus in on defense and try to become a defensive team. Yeah. But um, that's the big thing. I think we'll, we'll live up to the expectations and uh, turn this thing around. Well, man, I, I hope you do. Um you know, not just – I don't want to be that typical Kentucky fan who pulls against y'all. I, you know, I think basketball 
um, in this region is better when both Kentucky and Louisville are really good. And when they're both successful and when they – you don't know when they play each other who's going to win, when they're just – it's really competitive. So, I hope you all do turn it around. Um, you know, I'm pulling for you. I, I hope that you go for 25 against us. But I hope we get the win. <laughs> so, but, man, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, no problem. Really, really love getting to talk to you again. Uh, wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. Yep. It was good seeing you. It's good to see you too, bud.